Operating at an extraordinary level can seem challenging. Learn how to survive in the lone wolf economy in the OG Money Podcast with Lonnie gordon Agolnik. Drawing on over 20 years of experience in the trenches of Wall Street, Lonnie explores what it takes to be successful in today's rapidly changing environment. From daily routines, wealth strategies, and sustaining the highest levels of wisdom, Lonnie and his guests unpack proven ways to live an extraordinary life. Welcome to the OG Money Podcast. We have a OG, another New York transplant into Miami, the CEO of Aaron Basha, Regine Basha. Welcome to the OG Money Podcast. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so we, we recently met. Kids go to school together. I'll tell you, like, when I was like, oh, I need to have this woman on the podcast because she's an OG hustler, <laughs> right? And I'll tell you where I saw that. They said, you're driving around Miami in this, like, little cute car, and you're selling stuff at Aventura Mall in down south. And I'm like, wow, like, this girl's getting after it. So tell me a little bit about that. Like, how did that, like... Where did that come from? What was the inspiration for that? Because it was super cool. The Everyone cute loved car. it. Yeah, <laughs> loved it. And do you still have the car? No. Okay. <laughs> so we had a retail store in New York City on Madison Avenue for over 30 years. And in 2020, March 2020, we decided to close the store. And for about a year, we were online only. And I really missed being in front of a customer. And it's a completely different ballgame being behind a, a screen and being in front of a customer. And uh, I wanted to have that experience. I wanted to bring the jewelry to our customers where they can touch and feel it again. And I felt like the retail space as we know it is just, has changed so much already in the past year. And I didn't want to do a store. I wanted to do something a little more out of the box and creative and fun and newsworthy. And so we decided to create this, actually it was, my dad had a vision a long time ago of having like those little Volkswagen be- like buggies decorated Aaron Basha style and drive around Manhattan. So I kind of took that concept and took it further and actually created that to be a store where the back of this little Italian post delivery truck from like the 40s converted into a little store. And I set up in Palm Beach in the design district, in Aventura, and at the Fountain Blue Pool. And just had such a fun time selling and learning about what people want today and just being being innovative, really. And it was great. Yeah, I think that thinking outside the box like that is, is not everyone has that gift, right? So you, you must you know, have a natural sales. Where does that come from? I, I always say to my guests, like there's a spark mm-hmm. in, in, in every one of us, 45, and you can look at me at 14 and there's probably, you know, not that much about my soul. So where did this CEO salesman mm-hmm. outside the box, artistic girl, let's go backwards and let's talk mm-hmm. about your childhood. Yeah. What was that like? And where do you see all those sparks that you are today, like in, from childhood? How, I want to hear about yeah. that. Yeah. So 
So we moved a lot as a child. I was born in Israel and by the age of three moved to Montreal, Canada. My dad always had a jewelry store. He had a jewelry store in Tel Aviv on Hayarkon and serviced like all these diplomats that would come to Israel at the time. And then his siblings moved to Canada and they said, come over here, it's better business opportunities. So at three, I moved to Montreal and my dad opened up a store called Regine Jewelers in the lobby of the Four Seasons Hotel. Regine for after you? Uh, and his mom, because my grandmother, oh. who actually started the business, okay, I was named after her. And I was going to say, there's some favoritism there. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, so I grew up in retail. Like I grew up, I'd go to school, and that's where I would go after school, to the store to wait for my parents to finish work and then go home. My whole life, really. When I was probably about six-ish, we would go visit my aunt in Florida and I would collect seashells on the beach and I'd bring them back to Montreal. And my dad gave me a little showcase. I said, I want to sell my seashells. So he gave me a showcase in the store and I price tagged all my shells and I sat in front of this showcase all day. And when he would have a customer, he would kind of like motion to them, like go check out my daughter's seashells. And I'll never forget, there was, I think he was the, the ambassador of the Ivory Coast. He was like this distinguished, tall African man. And we're, it was, I actually remember, he came by my case and he bought a seashell for $8. And I was so excited. And I think that was the catalyst for, I've watched my dad sell and I get that high. So with each sale, I feel that little like dopamine hit. <laughs> right. No, I get it. You know. Um, so how much? So you moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. Moved at to what Canada. age? Three. Three. And then how? And then at eight, we moved to London. Okay. England and had a jewelry store there. And same thing. I'd go to school, come to the jewelry store. Wait. I was really surrounded by retail and sales and the business, the jewelry business my whole life. And after college... So you're in London through... High school, New York City, finished high school in New York City. So you're moving around a lot. Moving around a lot. You have to make new friends. You have to yes. recreate yourself. Yes, over yeah. and over. Well, there's a, I read once that like the army brats are the most successful if like any group because they're always moving. Yeah. And they're forced to adapt and change and make a new personality for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. A- adversity. themselves. Yeah, helps. Learn from scratch. Use who you are to... Yeah, I mean, you have to really dig deep to, like, make yourself, like, the globe is very tribal, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, when you're moving around, like, you had to learn sales skills before you even knew that you were going to take it out into the real world and be a salesman. Yeah. So, after college, what happens? After college, my dad wanted me to work for the business, and I said, no, I need, I want to have some other experience. So, I worked for a diamond company, and I sold loose stones and I was the number one salesperson in the business. I was young. <laughs> I didn't go to the GIA school or anything like that. I just learned, I watched, I learned, and I would cold call. Every single person I sold a stone to and never met and I was making a lot of money at a very young age. 
we call that smile and dial <laughs> back in the day in the old trenches of 98. That's how I started too, yeah. cold calling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was really, that was like my first taste of knowing that I had something. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. when you work for your family, it's different. It's You don't really get to experience who you are. There's things are overlooked. You're come late, this and that. Like it's, you're not really acknowledged like properly. Well, what's interesting is that you took the hard road on your own, mm-hmm. right? Like you were given the easy road yeah. and you were like, nah, I'm going to go this way. Yeah. It's interesting. And I stayed there for three years and I really, I, I did really well up until I, their company started growing and hiring more salespeople. And I didn't fit <laughs> their mold because I would take two months off in the summer. Like that was my thing. It's summer, bye. And they were like, no, you can't do that anymore because we have other salespeople here and that's, we can't give people two months off. So I left. And to this day, when I see the owners, they're like, if you'd stayed with us, do you know how much money you would have made? <laughs> but I really learned there that putting in my heart and soul, like what I could accomplish. So what, what, what happens? You leave, right? You're going to go party and have fun. How old are you at that point? Like 24. 24, prime, yeah. prime of your life. You're loving life right now. You go take the summer off, and then, but you have no job. So I came back from my gallivanting, and I worked for my dad. Okay. For the family business. And I did that for the majority of my life. Worked in the store, worked in you know, the design, worked on the website, but I was never really happy. It, it was never... It never satisfied me. I never felt like I was doing what I wanted to do. But I had a few kids already at this point on my own. So I had to I had to provide. So it was kind of like all these factors kind of kept me stuck in a way. I was super fortunate because I had like I was able to do everything I wanted to do, travel, take care of my kids, have the the things that I wanted to have. And also have a very lenient boss. So in that respect, I was super grateful. Like everything was really given to me. All I had to do was show up, more or less. But all the things that I wanted to do within the business that I saw that needed fixing or could be done better or my vision, I could not implement. Because my dad was leading the ship, which you can't have... You have one person leading the ship. The brand was his name, and we were pretty much employees. Let's take a step back for a second. When you say the brand was his, how big did this brand get, like, in the jewelry world? Like, give me an example of, like, where it stood. Mm-hmm. It was, it's an international brand. Okay. People, you could stop someone on the street and say, and look at it. a woman on Madison Avenue would be wearing a baby shoe if she had a baby, like, nine times out of ten. We were in 300 doors in the U.S., retail stores, and pretty much in every country. Harrods in London, in Dubai, everywhere. This is a major international corporation. major international brand. And your role at that point is what? Right-hand man? Creative director. Yeah, just not even. Like, I didn't really have that much responsibility. I didn't, I built the website, or I, I designed the website. I showed up in the store. I had clients that would come 
when I was there. Or, but it wasn't really, I didn't really have any major responsibility, which was, I, I had little kids at the time. They right. were my You were versatile. You yeah. were good. You could do anything that yep. needed to be done. But along the way, I really learned so much and saw so much. And in my heart of hearts, I knew that I needed to wait this out because I was going to end up doing this my way. And I could have gone and done something else, but I always felt like this brand had so much more potential and could go so much further. And I wanted to be able to see that through. I weathered the storm. <laughs> what storm? Well, just being in a family business isn't easy. Just, I think just not being satisfied, not loving what I did. Like I wanted to wake up in the morning and love what I was doing. And I didn't. So that was kind of a storm. I felt unsatisfied. Yeah, I, I started to look for things within the company that would inspire me so that I can stay inspired and do my own little projects. And so I started doing that. And last year in 2020, when we decided to close the store. Pre-COVID or post-COVID? Just like right, right when COVID started. Okay, so you got a little lucky then. Yeah. Well, it happened and we decided to close the store. Oh, it happened and then the decision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You were like, ah, oh, this is not good, but this is great. Oh. Let's close. <laughs> okay. I see where you're um, going with that. Because you're making lemonade already. Yeah. And also Madison Avenue was kind of already starting to fall apart. Barney's was closing. Just, it was, it started to feel like it was time to get out of there. Right. And so took this opportunity, the store closed and for like the first two months when we didn't have a store, we I really mobilized everything to make it be on an online retailer experience. Yeah. yeah. And so I just went into that mode of just taking over. Like it just came to me naturally. Like I was home for three months and I just started to think of what I could do to stay in touch with our customers, show up while everyone was freaking out and slowing down their businesses, I wanted to take it as an opportunity to kind of come on the scene in a stronger way. So I actually spent like two months, pretty much like during quarantine, handwriting notes to all our customers and sending them gifts and saying, we're thinking of you, like the, the little bracelet that you have. Yeah. I'd make packages for our entire customer list, handwrite them and send them out because I knew that would go a long way. And it also like just infused this good vibes energy into our business. People are freaking out, they're home, they're scared and they get a present and a handwritten note. So that was kind of the beginning of my entrance, putting my own flag in the ground. Exactly. And my dad noticed that and he, he would work until his last breath. The new 78. But I think that he Is also- he still working? Yeah. Okay. Well, he checks in on me every day. Okay, good. <laughs> in fact, yesterday I spoke to him and he said to me, and he's not, he doesn't, he's not a mushy guy by any, by any means. 
And you said to me yesterday, Regine, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, oh, lump in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, Dad. And he's like, every time we speak, I look for mistakes in what you're doing, and I just can't find them. And I was like, wow, like that means so much to me because he's so tough. And his, what he built was really his baby. Like, yes, we're four siblings, but this was number one. Business always was his priority. Well, I'll tell you as a father, like the rule is business before pleasure food. Because if you have kids and a wife, like if my business isn't running well or we don't have a business to run, then we know that and that nothing else can happen well. <laughs> Everything goes. So I see where he's coming from is that his baby is his first kid because he only said that or did that because he wanted the best for you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. And so for him to entrust his baby with me and be proud of me it was just like whoa yeah really just like overwhelming so you have three siblings you have a lot of cousins right you have a huge family right yeah. and you guys are a huge close family yeah yeah we have a lot of yeah a lot of little ones my mom always did shabbat dinner every friday night we'd all come over with all the kids something we miss but yeah, I think we all miss that. Yeah. If you think back to the generation prior, right? Families were close. They lived mm -hmm. together. There was no cell phones. There was, <laughs> right? You lived three stories, uh, and there were three families on top of each other. Yeah. But so I watched this, uh, this show, Succession, and you were picked, and the dad it sounds like a lot like your dad was the guy who wasn't mushy. So there's a lot of pressure on you. Do you feel like that? interfered with the family dynamic at all or is everybody cool everyone everyone understands and i mean is that like something that you feel because i have a saying in life like no matter what happens like everything will the grass grows again mm -hmm. right the grass will grow no matter how bad it is good it is over time right time heals all wounds right so i got to imagine that because you were picked there Maybe there was some friction. I mean, did you feel anything like that or not really? I mean, I think naturally, maybe a little bit, but understandably, nothing nothing terrible. But I also think it really gives everybody a chance to explore something else because we've all been in the jewelry business our whole lives. And there's so much more <laughs> in this world that it's kind of almost like a blessing in disguise. But each one can go and find their own what actually lights them up for real. And I'm also doing it for all of us because I'm building this business again. And my plan is to make it bigger than it's ever been. And eventually we'll all benefit from that. Okay, so that vision you have, what, where are you today? And what, what is your vision for that? Well, our brand was really built on the baby shoe charm. And it's a little shoe that represents your child. So if you're a mom with a girl and a boy, you'll wear a girl and a boy shoe. And about 20 years ago, they were the most sought after baby present. Dads would come into our stores literally with the hospital bands on, like just given birth and quit. he had to come back with a shoe. People would be lining outside our store. And this item 
had so much emotional attachment to people. Like if they wanted it cleaned, they wouldn't leave the store until it was, they had it back on them or they couldn't get on a flight until their shoe was repaired. Or there was a lot of like superstition. This is my child emotional connection. And it's hard. That's very hard to establish yeah. in a piece of jewelry and for it to be so well known. So that kind of rode out on, on high gear for about 15 years and fashion changed. We didn't, we just kind of cruised along, but didn't really adjust to the world, hoping, thinking it was going to last forever. And so the shoes became less popular, but I know because I've seen that can be recreated and expanded to the world. So just like if you're wearing an engagement ring, that means you're engaged or a wedding band. Just like if you have a shoe on, you're a mom or a grandma. So my vision is to have moms and grandmas all over the world that have kids or grandkids represent them in our shoe form to have that. So one of the things that I think uh, is truly remarkable, I'm a businessman and I deal with stress. I, I have my own way of dealing with stress. Now you're a mom of two teenage girls, a son, and running a business. Mm -hmm. I got to imagine stress comes into play a lot, right? I got to imagine. Or not. I don't know. Really? Okay, so... You're not managing money. I don't money. feel stressed. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> but I mean, I sometimes I feel overwhelmed. Okay. So like, let's use the word overwhelmed. How do you deal when you're overwhelmed? Like, I know what I do for stress. I have to work out. I have to be in the gym. I have to play tennis. I have right. to do things that are physically active to get my endorphins ripping. Mm -hmm. All right. Otherwise, I find myself slow, lethargic, and I'm not a good thinker. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm always thinking at the end of the day, what can I do to sharpen my brain? get up in the morning, work out, go in the cold plunge. Like that's all done because I have to shop in my brain. What do you do to stay sharp? I, for me, it's psychological. I mean, I exercise. Yes, that helps me. But I also have a lot of trust in the universe and the timing of how things play out. So I don't get stressed because I know that everything happens the way it should in the right time. And that's kind of been my, the way I operate. And so it, it's kind of, I just do what I need to do and lean back. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I, I, it, it's more like I have a flow that I can feel and I navigate whatever I have to do within that flow. And it just works out. It's an interesting way. It's very spiritual. Yeah. I have a chapter in my book about spirituality, right? You told me you liked my book. You read the book, yeah, right? Yeah, I loved it. What did you like about it? Give me everything, one- just, Everything, everything. Just I give loved me one little, one little thing that you like <sighs> took from it that you thought was um, interesting. I mean, I loved, I loved <laughs> the uh, interview with Karen you showing people that just really push themselves 
anything, any being normal. Yeah, I mean that whole hundred mile. Yeah, run, I mean I can't I can't even run like three without my knee falling off. Yeah. So like what she does is a truly remarkable mm-hmm. thing. But I think everyone has their superpower, right? Like the fact that you're able to go with the flow and not get stressed out. That to me is that's a superpower. Yeah, it's like, it's trust. I I trust. I have immense trust in things working out for me. Like even when I, I just moved here last year from New York to Miami with my three kids, we lived in a community where they grew up in. They all, went, the girls were in elementary school with the same kids all the way through middle school and comfortable and all that. And I was just like, no, we need to move. And there was a part of me that was nervous to rock their world, but I wanted to give them this experience that I had of a, adapting and learning from scratch and all that, that was super important to me. But I also knew, I knew that it was going to be good. And I knew that it was going to work out. I just knew, like, I just, I have this, when I know something, I don't get scared because it's kind of like, it's already done, even though it's in the future. Very interesting. So I guess also like Miami is a kind of like a beautiful place to be, right? Mm -hmm ocean water people a lot of new yorkers are coming down so it's not that much of a different scene i took a different take like i had uh, a trauma in fourth grade where i did move and perhaps maybe that's why i'm a good salesman but i had to move schools move my friends and all that and that was very hard on me and it took like five six years of like just trugging through and then like you said like i would pray to god like just want to be back with my old friends and the Mm -hmm. universe worked out in 11th and 12th grade i ended up being back with my old friends but I find myself being like don't rock the boat I want the kids I don't want them to have to go through that pain that I went to but that might be a mistake Mm -hmm. I think maybe putting your kids through some pain through some trial and error and and getting that thick skin is really what you need to do in order to succeed because life's going to kill you I mean it's going to knock the shit out of you yeah so I think we do our kids a disservice by making them too comfortable Right. But it's easier now because it's very hard to deal with kids that are upset or are going through something hard. If you're not present 100% and are able to be there for them, it could be like you could ruin their life. So where do you, as a mother, where do you draw the line between being the mom friend and the disciplinarian mother, right? Like, I think that's a very difficult, like, as a father Mm -hmm. uh, of two daughters, where do I draw the line as being there for them, being their friend, being a guide and a mentor with being a disciplinarian? How do you draw that line? Well, I think when they're going through things, then I'm there for them as, you know, a friend and emotionally, like emotionally I'm there. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not such a disciplinarian. Right, me neither. (laughs) It's a problem. And the fact that there's no dad in the picture makes it even harder because usually there's no good cop, bad cop situation. Right. But yeah, I think my kids somehow know what's right and wrong and they don't really need that much disciplining right they kind of know that if I say no it's no because I'm usually a yes right so they're not too hard on me like my daughter's friend was like what do you mean Danielle doesn't have a curfew 
We all, and I'm like, no, she doesn't have a curfew. Well, what time is she going to come home? Five in the morning? She's 14. She'll come home when it's appropriate. Yeah. Like, I trust them. Right. So, like, I'm of the school, like, if you burn yourself on a stove, you're not going to touch the stove. Like, if you're going to come home at five in the morning and not be able to work at school or your soccer or whatever it is, like, you're not going to do it again. Or maybe you do it again, but you're not going to keep doing it because it's painful. It hurts. Right? Like, yeah. I, I think you learn through experience. So, I mean, it's a remarkable story, I guess, when you're a, well, a single mom navigating a business, recreating a business, raising three kids, you know, you should be very proud and you know, what you're, what you're doing, what you've accomplished. You've already become very well known in Miami and everybody loves your product. You're at all the different pop-up shows and everything. I always like to leave off the podcast. Do you have a, a question for me since I asked you all these questions. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you you want to pick my brain and ask me? I think you and Dara have, I, I mean, from a, a great relationship. You seem like really good friends, and she's amazing. So, yeah, I'll take some relationship advice. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it depends on the day of the week. My relationship with my wife is it's really good, right? So there's a part that came into the picture about 14 years ago and another one that came in 12. So you're talking about like the relationship between me and Dara and then the relationship as parents. So when we have time together, mm -hmm. we I think we cherish the time together. Like it, the kids will go to sleepaway camp, we'll have a summer together. And it's like being uh, newlyweds. We, like we just happen to be married. I'm not going to say it's easy because I see things a certain way as a dad, as a man, and she sees things a different way. And we're in a conflict of like, how do you come together and raise? So I don't think any relationship's perfect. I don't think any relationship's easy. I would say, though, the key to a healthy relationship is when each person's respected by the other person to do what they want, when they want, how they want, with the trust knowing mm -hmm. that there's not going to be any games played. I'm not, you know, going to be doing anything. Like if I'm working late, I'm doing a podcast. I'm going to a jujitsu academy. I'm maybe I'm having a card night. She gives me that. I give her nights out with the girls. I give her nights out with the girls because I trust my wife. If I didn't trust my wife, that might cause friction. It might cause a problem. It might cause animosity. But at the end of the day, you got to be just each other's best friends, really. And then everything else seems to, I think, work out. Again, I live by the, the slogan that the key to life is knowing that everything that's happening to you that's bad is going to end. It's going to blow over. This too shall pass. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's relationships with my wife. It's relationship with my kids. I'm always telling my kids, this too shall pass problems with business and clients. If I told you how many problems I've had over 23 years, there's a new one tomorrow. I'm going to forget the one from yesterday. But relationships, just like you said, I think the universe finds the right person for you at some point. And I'm sure that's going to work out for you, especially in Miami. Everything is flowing down here. But I do want to thank you. I think that you coming in, being a role model for women, I mean, it's so important today. Right. Like I think, again, your children probably just have so much respect looking at you, watching what you're doing and then emulating mm -hmm. what you're doing. And yeah, they've seen me. They've seen me come a long way. Yeah. You and know, that's they've seen me frustrated at work and like, ugh, I don't want to go into the city to like 
thriving. So in, in a short period of time. So yeah, it definitely has made an impact on them for sure. Yeah. That's the great do as I do as I say, not as I don't believe that. I, I believe in, you know, do as I do. And, and I think leaders lead from the front. If you're going to be a leader in life, I would never ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do. Right. So clearly you have scars, you've made it. That's why we call it the OG Money Podcast. You worked the system somehow. You got to the top of an international company and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And if people want to follow you, what you're doing, your progress, mm -hmm. where would they find you? Um, so it's at Aaron Basha is the business and mine is at Regine Basha. And is that on Instagram? On Instagram, yeah. Okay, awesome. Well, I wish you continued luck and- uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank Thanks you. for coming in. Thank you so much. I love being here. All right. Thank you for listening to the OG Money Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. This site is published for residents of the United States and is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or product that may be referenced herein. Persons mentioned on this website may only offer services and transact business and or respond to inquiries in states or jurisdictions in which they have been properly registered or are exempt from registration. Not all products and services referenced on this site are available in every state, jurisdiction, or from every person listed. Third-party comments may not be representative of all customer experiences.